Hi, you're listening to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Ogden, Utah. My name is John Draskovic. I'm the pastor here. And what you'll hear is the message, the sermon from the week's worship before. And uh, you can always check out the full service that has the music and our prayers and liturgy on our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube, you can just search First Presbyterian Church Ogden and you can find us there. We've got all our services recorded, including the, the most recent um, live stream of our, of our service. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you find it to be a blessing. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast for Sunday, September 10th. We're going to be looking at the entirety of John chapter 11. And uh, it's a good chunk of scripture. And you, We don't get the, the scripture reading in the podcast. I just kind of assume that you're going to be able to go and read that for yourself or listen to it yourself, which by the way, there's some great Bible apps out there where you can listen to them. That's how I do most of my uh, scripture personal devotional readings. I'd encourage that to you. But uh, this Sunday, instead of just reading the scripture, we actually acted it out with the kids. And so I would really encourage you to go to our YouTube channel and check that out because it was so much fun. The kids had a great time. I think they learned a lot and you get to see it. So anyways, go ahead and do that. So we, we're looking at this story, this extended narrative in John chapter 11, which is the raising of Lazarus. And so there's lots of ins and outs of Mary and Martha who look a little different in John than they did in Luke. And they send a messenger to tell Jesus that it, their brother, Jesus' friend, is ill to come quickly. And then his his response to his disciples and then he shows up and he has an interaction with Mary uh, Martha first and then he has an interaction with Mary and then he goes to Lazarus and so we kind of unpack all of that step by step as we move through and see what there is there for us and so uh, I encourage you to you're going to find some things in here I'm sure that are going to speak to you but ultimately this is the sign of Jesus power over death his authority over the powers of death and this is like the penultimate sign the ultimate being his own resurrection but all of this is pointing and then and then the the end of this chapter we have a little insight to John's atonement theology his understanding of what happens at the cross and it comes from all people the mouth of the high priest Caiaphas so pay attention to that when we get there as well okay enjoy this week's message may it be a blessing to you Let's pray together. Almighty God, whose ways are beyond our ways, you are higher above us than the heavens are above our earth. Help us to trust in your words and your judgments so that we may do your will by loving you and loving one another. Holy Spirit, as your word is read and preached, pass among us, your gathered people. Open our minds. Open our hearts. Increase our understanding. Bind us together in your love. We pray this all in Jesus' name, our Lord, our Savior, the one who lives and reigns with you now and forever. Amen. Well, uh, today, so again, I'm not wearing my watch, and I just saw where we are, so we're going to get to this. Uh, Today, we're in the seventh sign in John's gospel. So these signs are works that Jesus has done, illustrations, lived out actions, To show who he is. To show that he is the son of the living God. 
And the raising of Lazarus is like the penultimate sign next to, of course, the ultimate one, which is his own resurrection. That show the power of Jesus over the forces of evil and the force of death. And it is the most clear that you can see he is Lord of life, Lord over death itself. And it's foreshadowing that ultimate sign that he will do when he will be raised from the dead as well. And did you hear at the end that story that where the, the Sanhedrin is gathered and the high priest says he prophesies Jesus would die for all the people, for those in Israel and the children of God scattered abroad. So we find ourselves in this narrative in John chapter 11, where Mary and Martha, they send a message to Jesus. They send a messenger to tell him about their brother Lazarus, who is dying. And we learn already from here, Jesus had friends. We don't get a lot of that in the Gospels, but he did. He calls Lazarus and Mary and Martha his friends, his personal friends. And they don't ask Jesus for something specific. They only tell Jesus the problem. They say, Lord, your friend, our brother, Lazarus, he's sick. And I was thinking about this, how so often when we in our own prayer life have something that's weighing heavy on us, we kind of assume that we know what's best. We assume that we know the mind of God often, don't we? And so we're looking for this preconceived answer to our own prayer only to find out, usually it's in retrospect, right? It's after the fact that the thing that we were looking for, the thing that we wanted, wasn't actually the thing that we needed. And it kept us from receiving what God was trying to give us because our minds were already made up about what that answer to prayer was supposed to be. And so maybe Martha's is a better way of approaching Jesus in a posture of prayer. Something like, here's what's going on in my life, Lord. Here's what's keeping me up at night. And I hand it over to you. Do with it what you will. Take it, Lord, and I'll just trust you. Right? Maybe we don't always know exactly what to ask for, but we can always just share the deep anxieties, the deep problems that are weighing us down and let God take it from there. So they send the messenger. They tell him the problem. And Jesus responds. When Jesus hears about Lazarus, he says that the sickness that he has is not going to end in his death. What looks like this tragic event at the beginning of the chapter will actually climax in glory because Lazarus will be raised from the dead. And John is, he's meaning for us to see this too. Your story, your sickness, we all have. It's not going to end in death either. It will climax in the end you will not experience death as a final period of your life. It is a doorway through which we walk into new life. And there's, to me anyways, I don't know if you caught it, there's a little bit of a troubling piece of Jesus' timing. The messenger comes, hey, come quick. Lazarus is sick. He needs you. And Jesus takes a seat and hangs out for two days. He waits it out. We're told that he really loves these people. He loves this family. And then he doesn't move an inch. Now, I think on one level, there's this cultural nuance here that John may be trying to point to. In first century Judaism, it was common understanding that the soul of a departed person would kind of 
hang out and hover around the body for three days. And then on the fourth day, it would depart to Sheol, the place of the dead. Which maybe John is trying to say this, this guy was really dead. Because when he shows up, it's been four days. It kind of, I know this is going to be a little crass, but this lets you in on my sense of humor. It reminds me of that Monty Python skit of, uh, you know, bring out your dead. Bring I'm not dead yet. Yes, you are. He's like, no, I'm not. You will be soon, right? Um, so it's like he's waiting till he's really dead. And I think maybe that's part of what John is trying to do. And this delay that we see that Jesus makes, it, I think it's, Maybe it connects with me because like often it feels like Jesus doesn't show up when I want him to show up and it can be kind of discouraging, right? The Lord's timing isn't always our timing. There's a theologian named James Baldwin who says the Lord never seems to get there when we want him, but when he arrives, it's always right on time. Yeah, because we think we know what's best for us, don't we? And I think that saying fits this story as a whole, but in the moment, it did not fit the experience of Mary and Martha. Right? Jesus' delay there, it, it really hurt them. The story is honest about that. So maybe, as I reflect on that, maybe God isn't as interested in protecting us from experiencing hurt and pain as he is bringing us through the hurt to a better future. Because I know you've had hurt and pain in your life. And I know the timing didn't work the way you wanted it to in places. And if we say, if we believe this Christian story is true, then life itself is not gained through preservation from death, but our glorification through death, right? You need to die first in order to experience resurrection. You don't get to an empty tomb without going through the cross. Easter Sunday doesn't happen without Good Friday. Jesus says that his business with his not being there and Lazarus dying is so that the followers, the disciples would believe. And in some sense, they already do believe. But you know how it is where, yeah, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. But then the new thing happens and it drives your faith deeper. It forces you to grow those roots down even further. Like that tree that's planted by the streams of water. Because your faith needs to go deeper. Faith is always becoming. You never, you're never stationary. If you are, that's a problem. Faith is never complete. Every Christian is always in process on becoming more and more of a Christian. And believing more and more deeply. So Jesus finally shows up, and it's four days since Lazarus has been in the tomb, and Martha goes out to meet him, but Mary stays inside. Okay, so we all know the story about Martha and Mary, don't we, right? Uh, Martha, Martha, Martha. I know, that's a, I know that's not it, but um, we know the story mainly from Luke, where Martha's the one sitting at Jesus' feet, and Mary's the one busy in the kitchen. John tells the story between Martha and Mary a little differently. They have a different dynamic, right? Martha is the one with faith here in Jesus. Mary's the one inside weeping and crying and grieving. Jesus tells Martha, your brother will live again, to which she responds about the resurrection. I know he'll rise on the last day, to which Jesus says, I'm the resurrection. 
I'm the life. And when he says that, this is one of his I am statements, when he says that, here's what he's saying. That which was supposed to happen then, at the end of time, is happening here and now, in the present. The future has come. Hope is visible. We can see it. The thing is actually me, the person. And one of the things that has hurt, I think, our Christian witness over the last several hundred years is that we have pushed our hope. Oh, is everybody okay? Yeah, okay. Oh, that's an interesting sound. There's not like something dying in the congregation, is there? Okay. Um, We've pushed our hope off for the resurrection then. When Jesus was saying, the resurrection happens here and now. Our, we do have hope for life after life, right? The next world, the, the life of the world to come. But we also have hope for new life here and now. And that's, there's no kids in here, right? Yeah. Damn it. Resurrection happens here and now too. There is new life for us today. Not just then. And we lose the power of some of our witness when we just make it about what's going to happen when we die. Because it makes a difference in our life today. In your life. In my life. Resurrection is real. Here and now. So Martha hears this. And she goes and she goes, i got to get my sister. i got to tell her about this. So she gets Mary and has Mary come out of the house. And you get the impression that Mary is like deep in her grief. She's mourning. She's depressed. She is so sad that she won't even come out of the house. You ever feel like that? You ever been in Mary's shoes? You don't even want to get out of bed because you are so sad. Well, John tells us that when Mary heard that Jesus was there, she was instantly raised and made her way to Jesus. Okay, that word that he uses there, is the same word, instantly raised, is the same word he uses for Jesus' resurrection. Mary went from death to life. Right there. Resurrection. Because there's more than one kind of resurrection. Yeah, it does mean the, the resurrection of the body at the end of time, but resurrection is also about a dead soul coming back to life. And the gracious, inviting words of Jesus can conquer death and the paralysis of depression and despair too. Because when you are encountered by the living God, you receive life. And life looks all different ways. So here we get to see Jesus now in his full humanity. He asks, where did you put Lazarus? He goes to the graveside of his friend. And then there's that, the shortest verse in the Bible. John 11.35, Jesus wept. Yeah. So if anybody ever asks you if you can quote some scripture, you use that one. That's a good, easy one. You might even say, Jesus bawled. I mean, this is probably like ugly cry, you know, like the face contorted. He was grieving. The experience of death breaks Jesus' heart too. Because death hurts everybody. And in the church, sometimes we feel like we got to put on a happy face. I have friends in the African-American church who are like, you white people do not know how to grieve. Like when you go to a funeral, everybody's like holding it together and it's like, oh, it's okay. You know, they're in a better place now. 
Like, no. Like, it's okay to be sad. And you can cry. And you can wail. And you can mourn. That's what you do when you've lost somebody that you love. You don't have to be stoic about everything and pretend that because we have a a hope in the life to come that this doesn't hurt now. Because it does. It does. Jesus wept. He mourned. He grieved. We certainly can too. So you got my permission. Not that you were looking for it. But you have my permission to be sad. To grieve. To mourn. And to wail. So Jesus, as we saw, shouted out. He cried out. He called out, Lazarus, come out. And in the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they call those the synoptic Gospels. Jesus, when he cries out, it's from the cross. Remember, he cries out, uh, I, I give up my spirit, Lord. I give it back to you. Well, in John, that loud cry happens right here, where he cries out at that point where Jesus is confronting the powers of death. And if you remember uh, a couple months ago when we were in John chapter 5, when Jesus healed the paralytic man, he said, the hour is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. And we just saw it in the story of Lazarus. And then a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the good shepherd, and how the sheep of the good shepherd know his voice, and they follow him. Because he calls them by name. Lazarus, get up. Come out of here. Be resurrected. The sheep hear his voice and they know it and they will follow it. And you know what? He doesn't use fancy religious words. He doesn't use 10 cent theological words. He's not saying, I'm inaugurating the eschatological future right now. He just says, Lazarus, get up. Come out of here. And then Jesus tells the disciples who are around, help him, unwrap him, take the funeral bands off him. And I wonder if it's kind of the church's job, our commission to help out in the mission of Jesus wherever he's at work. Yeah, he could have unwrapped Lazarus by himself, but he asked others to help him out with it. And we have people who are coming to new life all the time. And Jesus has taken some of those primary funeral wrappings of the old life off. But you know what? They've still got, they've still got wrappings covering them, binding them. And we in the church get to help in the mission of God. We're, we had a young man be baptized about a month ago. We're having a young man be baptized today. We're going to have two uh, children be baptized in a couple weeks. These are people who have started to have those funeral wrappings of the old life unwrapped. But we get to walk with them and show them and help them and discern with them how is God continuing to take those funeral wrappings of the old life off. Because everybody needs good people to walk beside them. And then the, the last part of this story is where the word gets back to the high priest, Caiaphas. And John says it was, he's the high priest this year. He's actually for about 20 years he was there. And Caiaphas, who's like the big man, because, you know, he had the Mickey Mouse ears, um, he makes this prophetic statement that becomes one of the great sentences in the church's doctrine of atonement. He says, one man must die. It is better that one would die in place of the people instead of the whole nation being destroyed. So the irony of this man with all his authority in the kingdom of Israel spoke of Jesus' death as the only way that people would be saved. Wow. Right? 
He didn't know what he was saying. And John fills it in. Jesus was about to die in the place of the nation, and not just for them alone, but so that all who are scattered, the children of God everywhere, would be brought into community. And so we're seeing John's theology of the cross being put on display here. Jesus' death is literally instead of. It is for. It is in the place of humanity, of God's children. The term that we have in the church is substitution. He is our substitute. We we talk about substitutionary uh, atonement theory. This is the suffering servant that Isaiah talked about. I mean, this is really, this is the heart of the gospel. Jesus died for us. And not only Israel, not only his people, but he died for all the people who are scattered among all the nations who are children of God. Remember just in that last chapter on the good shepherd, Jesus said, I have sheep who aren't of this flock, but they will hear my voice and they will come to me. You all would never be sitting next to the people that you are sitting next to right now. You wouldn't be sharing a pew with other folks that you are. Maybe the family accepted, sorry. Um, You're sheep of Jesus' flock from all the nations. Literally, from all the nations. Thank you for being here for that. We've been gathered together because we answer his voice. And we are called into new life. It's good news, right? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks on this day for your good news that we have in Jesus. That he took upon himself that which belonged to us. That he gave himself for us. Lord, we look for resurrection wherever it shows up. We look for resurrection here and now in this life. And we thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing through this community of faith. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, which is moving in hearts and in lives. Lord, may we be ready and willing to help unwrap the grave clothes of the old life. May we be ready and willing to see new life when it shows up and to encourage it and to breathe on those embers that it would burst into a flame, a flame for you and your kingdom. Lord, we pray all of this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus, the King. All God's children said together, amen. Well, my friends, you've done it. You've made it through another message with us here at First Presbyterian Church. And this This week's on uh, John 11. Next week, we're going to be looking at John 12 and uh, the whole whole chapter of John 12, which has a lot in it. But we're going to have a guest who's going to be here, Pastor Bob Nakaoka. And if you've been following us over the last year or two, you have met Bob before, Pastor Bob. He's great. He's such a gem. So I'm happy that he'll be here. I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to be on a little backpacking trip with some friends, enjoying God's good creation and recreating uh, my, my inner life while I'm there. And maybe try to get a couple trout out of the stream on the way. But uh, as always, you are welcome to join us, encouraged to join us on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock here at First Presbyterian Church. We're at 880 28th Street. And uh, you can check out our YouTube live stream. Just 
Google or uh, go to YouTube and you search First Presbyterian Church Ogden. And you can see all of our services participate in the liturgy as a whole. Um, And if you would like to support the ministry here, if this has meant something to you, please go to our website and you can uh, donate through our homepage there. It's www.fpcogden.org. Well, friends, have a great week and we'll see you back here next week.